All right, here we go. Another Monday Madness. I'm your host, Anthony. Thank you guys for tuning into the Culture Jack podcast. Hope you guys had an incredible weekend. We are awfully close to Thanksgiving. And uh, with it being 2020 and all the craziness with COVID and everything else, it definitely warrants some things to be thankful for. Um, I'm gearing up just like I'm sure most of you are with uh, anticipation on having a very small group of people for my Thanksgiving and uh, mostly going to be, actually it's all going to be probably uh, mother-in-laws and whatnot. And uh, I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. I just wanted to start off the podcast with that. Today, we are going to be diving into, I've got quite a bit of news we're going to be talking through, and then I switched my topic, so we'll see if I can kind of uh, ad-lib some things here. Looks like the camera's a little blurry. Um, If you guys haven't been tuning in, make sure and check out our Facebook page. We have been uploading some videos. I'm going to try to continue that uh, with this episode. So, I'm going to ad lib the main subject and uh, let's just dive into some news. So if you guys have not heard or seen, there is a lot of rumors of more remakes being made, such as Short Circuit or Johnny Five. If you guys remember the little robot, the uh, pre-Wally that us from the 80s and 90s should be able to... uh, Go back to that little tad bit of nostalgia and uh, remember what a great movie that was. I haven't seen it since then. I remember as a kid and how great it was. But there's also been rumors about Gremlins and a lot of other uh, of these 80s, 90s shows being remade. And rightfully so, due to the success of many, many remakes, uh, the Back to the Future has been mentioned several times. There's a lot of... uh, uh, memes and stuff with like Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland taking over the roles for that, but nothing, nothing quite solid. But it does sound like Short Circuit may have a chance, and I, I think they could try it. I, I have no idea what what avenue. I'm assuming they're going to try to make it for kids, but uh, we'll uh, have to see if anything comes of it because it also seems like some of these remakes the rumor mill hits and then nothing. So we'll see what happens. Um, There's also rumors of a Witcher spinoff. So it's the story of how Witchers uh, became and Jason Momoa is possibly slated for it. Again, rumors, but there is a Witcher 2 trailer that's floating around. And then, of course, the Witcher to season two, I should say, um, is slated and will be coming out relatively soon. I would, I would hope, uh, mid early next year. And, uh, Netflix is really on a roll. In fact, I've got a list of Netflix movies that are in, most of them are in pre-production and in conversations that I'm going to run through real quick. Uh, post-production, though, and I mentioned this before, and that's Red Notice featuring The Rock, 
Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot, which is uh, it's supposed to be a heist esque movie, which looks pretty cool. I'm excited to see it's uh, another big budget movie by Netflix, but you can't go wrong with Ryan Reynolds, The Rock and Gal Gadot. Looking forward to that. As uh, you know, Dustin's done a hell of a job with covering the uh, lack of movies and whatnot that are being produced by Disney Plus and some of the other platforms we both have covered. Now, I did see a really funny meme the other day in regards to Disney Plus, and that was the Mandalorian is the pretty much the only flagship that's carrying Disney Plus at this time because it's really the only new content that's available there that is uh, really booming. So it's it's unfortunate, really. Um, but The Mandalorian is an incredible show. I am completely caught up at this time in the episodes, man. John Favreau, who is actually the one of the main producers of it. And there's a lot of really cool... Uh, behind the scenes footage that they also have on Disney Plus that is really cool to see how involved he is and then the directors and just everybody's uh, super exciting stuff. So let's dive into some Netflix movies that are on the books, but yet to be, uh, I, I guess, in full production. Um, Zack Snyder is supposed to be doing Army of the Dead. Uh, assuming after he's done with uh, his remake of the Justice League movie. Um, well, you know, we'll see. Actually, it does say uh, it ended production in 2020, and then there's a lot of uh, post-production, and it has been pushed back. So that is is on its way. Don't Look Up is another one, which is a comedy, which is starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Kate Blanchett, Meryl Streep, and Jonah Hill. And it's essentially about two astronomers that uh, find a giant meteor that's hurtling toward the Earth. That could be really cool. That could be uh, Pinocchio, uh, an animated series by Gilmore uh, del Toro. The If you're not familiar with him, he's done a lot of really crazy horror-esque movies. But he's also done... Um, Hellboy and, and a lot of other things. Anyways, he's going to do a twist on the Pinocchio story that we all know. Um, so that's pretty cool and excited to see. Uh, Wendell and Wild is an animated horror movie starring Key and Peel that is due to come out 2021 during the Halloween season. So that's pretty cool. At least I think that's pretty cool. Um, in, in other news as well, the Toronto police had put out a public notice informing people that uh, apparently in that area, and I'm sure other areas, uh, there has been a lot of theft and ripoffs due to the Xbox uh, and PlayStation, the new consoles, because people are posting these for sale. You show up with your money expecting to pick up your brand new PlayStation 5 or your Xbox Series X or S, and you get robbed. So be wary of those that purchase off the interwebs. Um, so that is a thing that is clearly going on right now. Diving 
diving into a little bit of gaming news, just to kind of cover all the bases here today, Hitman 3 is on its way. Super excited for that. I'm a big Hitman fan and have been Agent 47. Um, that's slated, I believe, early 2021. We've also got a new Far Cry, which is Far Cry 6. Far Cry games, I have played several, I believe, I think the last three consecutively as they've come out. I've gotten them. Um, those are just great sandbox games. I appreciate Far Cry from a gaming perspective uh, for what it is, because I feel like it's a different game. It's not a ripoff of Grand Theft Auto or any of these other games. Um, they've got their their way of setting it up their way of telling the story. And I, I don't know, it's just an enjoyable sandbox game. Um, Halo infinite is obviously pushed back until who knows when cyberpunk. I mentioned that all the time simply because I can't wait until it comes out, but that is slated for December 10th still. And then of course we've got Forza motorsports, which is going to come out in 2021, which looks amazing. And it's um, all of these games are supposed to utilize these new consoles to what their current potential is, which is, I, I know both Dustin and I are anticipating uh, that ability to really see the difference, you know, and play it. I have actually, I'll, I'll dive into uh, my recent experience with that. And then of course, Fable is in the, is in the winds too, to come out in 2021. Um, I have played quite a bit of Call of Duty, Cold War, the online. That's that's all I've played. That's all I've had time to play. Uh, and it's normally for short stints. I will say this, though. Um, and, and yes, I, I enjoy Call of Duty. Um, I have for pretty much ever. And I go through stints. Um, but for the new system and for this game specific, I will say that the maps do look incredible. Um, I wish the environment was more interactive than what it is, but that's always been a Call of Duty versus Battlefield situation. I can't call that out on a console, but the console itself looks absolute, or the cut, not the console. The game itself does look really good. The characters look pretty good, but the game, it's just incredible to see that evolutionary step forward. And again, I said this in the last podcast that I did for Monday Madness, and I'll say it here today, folks. This is just the beginning. You know, uh, with seeing what what comes with Cyberpunk, I'm I'm super stoked for or Hitman or, or Halo or any of these games um, because the next steps beyond it, I can't wait to see what rockstar games is going to announce what are they working on hopefully a grand theft auto i'm sure that that's what they've got up their sleeve and once we start seeing that it's just going to be absolutely amazing i am uh really excited to see uh as as these things unfold that pretty much covers the news section that I have for you guys today. Let me kind of skim through here to make sure I'm not missing anything at all. Um, just to recap a couple of those things with these 80 nostalgia movies, such as Short Circuit, Gremlins, possibly Back to the Future. Um, my, my question, we'll see if uh, Dustin catches this or not, out of all the remakes that could possibly be, um, be happening 
Is there one that you actually want to happen and why? So, and this is a remake. We'll just say from the eighties or nineties. I don't want to go back in time too far. Um, and then actually one, one other item that I wanted to bring up. And unfortunately my notes here were not updated cause I'm having a, I filled the cloud again, I guess. Um, is Robert London, the guy that plays Freddy Krueger and a lot of other celebrities have jumped onto the new Stranger Things cast. Robert London will be playing a character that's not Freddy Krueger, but he does. He will be in several episodes. So I'm super excited to see Stranger Things bringing in additional characters uh, that if you, you know, Robert London's a huge name if you're into the horror world and you grew up watching Freddy Krueger. So that's another I, I think that's pretty cool as well. So the main topic today and and I will get back to this was going to be comic book stores, but as a, a couple of things unfolded the last couple of days, and it made me want to change what my topic was going to be. Uh, first, I was going well. I won't tell you what the topic I was going to use, but um, a couple of things that changed in the last couple of days was I. Uh, I have, I guess, uh, bought things off auctions for quite a while and I just so happened to it. I'm not going to finish this story right now. I'll finish it at the end of the podcast, but, um, I I've done estate auctions. I've done just per people auction, uh, like person to person type auctions, silent auctions, automotive auctions, industrial auctions, commercial auctions. I've done, uh, crap load of auctions, right? Recently, I, I did one and I fared out pretty good in what I got. And I've been thinking about that and was like, do I want to do a podcast on this? I, you know, I don't know. And then with listening to Dustin's episode and what you guys, if you haven't heard, Dustin dove back into the nineties, did this great episode on nostalgia and he has a lot of great stories. So if you didn't catch, again, that Friday episode, jump back, listen to his episode. It's extremely enjoyable. He's got some funny stories and it, it lended to my thought on, should I do an episode on this? And since listening to his, his episode, it was like, yeah, you know what? Let, let's dive into this. So let's take a step back. You, me, the collective group that's listening to this podcast and I was just referencing auctions, but it's a lot bigger than that. If you can remember back when you were a kid, especially if you have siblings. Now, if you have siblings, you definitely know what I'm talking about. If you don't have siblings, hopefully you had some friends because auctions, it kind of evolved, evolved my thought quite a bit because it's more or less like bartering, right? So when you were a kid, if you had this GI Joe and you wanted that GI Joe, you and your buddy would try to or you may try to barter with your buddy there to get his GI Joe cards, collectible cards, huge, huge in that world. Right. As far as trading goes. And you'll, you'll see my point of this in auctions uh, toward the end of, or toward the, maybe the middle of the story or end of the story. But so as kids, if you were, if you did that, you naturally did that with other objects, right? So you, you, like I said, maybe you did it with Joe and then you evolved and maybe you were trading up 
with uh, collectible cards, comic books, or what have you. As a child, um, I did do some of it, not not nearly as much as uh, I probably would have liked to. As I got older, I did quite a bit of more, quite a bit more of it. But the funny part to me to think about this was how dependent you were on each other in order to do that. Because in the eighties, in the nine or early nineties, mid nineties, you didn't have internet. There was no Craigslist, no eBay, no, no Facebook. And so on the bartering side, that was crazy. But also on, if you had something you wanted to sell someone, it was a different world in which really brought back a lot of crazy memories uh, as a kid. And I know that a few people um, that are in a, a certain location are going to understand what I'm about to explain. But as a kid, you had a newspaper that had like sales ads in it. So you, if you wanted to sell some stuff, you could, you know, list it in this newspaper, um, your local newspaper. And then you also had the Tradio. That's right. Tradio the trade radio, the tradio, which still goes on in, in certain parts. In fact, I got a kind of a funny story about that, but ultimately on this tradio, they would have a call in number. You'd call in and you'd, you'd say, Hey, uh, I've got four tires at $37 each and I'm trying to get 250 bucks for them. Call me at this number. And then sure as shit, you'd, <laughs> you'd sell your four tires to some rando that calls you or whatever. And that was a legitimate business practice. And to think about that versus what we do today is crazy. So you had the newspaper, which again, you just list out or you, you know, you'd write in to the newspaper, pay them the 10 bucks or 20 bucks for the week long run. And then you'd take phone calls or letters, I guess, um, in regards to purchasing your goods. And, and that's really how it was done. The only alternative to that, of course, was, um, you know, friends. So you tell your, your buddy, Hey man, I got to sell these four tires. And then he tells his buddy, Oh, I know someone that needs four tires. And then sure as shit within a week or two, maybe you sell your product, maybe not. But it's so funny to think about that now in how much that's evolved. Now you fast forward 20 years or 25 years or whatever that may be. And now you have so many different avenues. You know, Craigslist is a huge thing still. Uh, Facebook Marketplace. Uh, you've got eBay. eBay did start in the late 90s and then exploded to where you could sell in auction style or buy as is. And you were able to not only be a seller, but you were also able to purchase things and at some point get a good deal. Now, I did participate in purchasing stuff off of eBay in the early 2000s. And then I stopped for a while just because the, the way that everything was set up was kind of hokey, in my opinion. Um, and then as Amazon has rose, Amazon, you don't have the flexibility. And I'm going to exclude them completely from this because you don't barter with these with Amazon. You really don't. You can barter on eBay. And I'll explain a little bit more about that because I was dumbfounded as I've dove into eBay quite a bit here in 2020 on how capable you are um, now on eBay with actually communicating with sellers and, and trying to bid and whatnot. So I'll jump to that in a moment. So the fun, a funny story uh, that, well, partially funny, it wasn't funny at the time, but a few years ago, 
I was down visiting friends and family uh, there in Homer, Alaska. And while visiting at, at a family member's house, I had my DJI Phantom 4 Pro drone up. I had flown in the area several times. I put it up in the air just like normal. In fact, I did a YouTube video on this because this is this is how ridiculous this was. I put it up in the air. It was a decent, I would say a decent day, gray clouding, um, but I wanted to get some photos more or less because their their location allows for really good uh, uh photos in which I can also almost get the spit, the Homer spit, and I can get some of the surrounding areas. And then there were some cool videos of fireweed and all this. Anyways, I was, I was trying to put this, these shots together. Again, I've flown here several times. I put the drone up and, uh, I, I start doing my, doing my deal there and I, uh, start bringing it back and all of a sudden it stops and it just kind of sits there. Now this, you can watch the actual video. I put up a video on the Rent Start Experiment YouTube channel because um, I got some of the footage back. Anyway, so it's sitting there and, and mind you, it's probably like 50 feet in the air, 60 feet in there, maybe, maybe more. I don't know how high it was. It was pretty high in the air and it stops. And I'm like, what is it doing? And then I'm trying to get controls and I'm walking toward it. It's, you know, I can see it visibly. It's not that far from me uh, in direct distance outside of being so high in the air. And I start to get concerned. I'm like, shit, what is, what's going on here? Um, it lets me regain control for a second. And then all of a sudden it stops again. And then I start hitting the home location. So if you're not familiar with drones, you set, generally speaking, especially with DJIs, it'll, it'll uh, set your home location from your launch point. And mine was set. Everything was good. So I hit home, which is supposed to be a safeguard for you to be able to guide you in and land. You'll see where I'm going with this in a moment to get back on topic. So I do that. I hit home. It doesn't really move. It's still staying there. And I'm like, what is happening right now? Why is this thing not moving? And then I try to lower it, try to nothing, nothing, nothing. I home button it, nothing. And then all of a sudden, this thing bolts full blast in the opposite direction. And mind you, I don't have my thumbs on the control sticks. The home indicator on my uh, phone that I was using was where we were at. There wasn't like any deviation from that. Long story short, that that mother flew as fast as it could, as far away from me as it could. And I lost at the time. It was a fifteen hundred dollar drone that was barely used. Um, and uh, it was gone now. Let me tie this back. So uh, myself, my wife, my kids, uh, the family members that we were staying with, we run around and we're looking for this thing for days. We, we were looking for nothing. Family member that was down there <laughs> calls me up. You know, we leave. We, we, we come back home you know, which is several hundred miles away. And, and it's like, shit, you know, I was pissed and all these things happened. Well, I get a, you know, I get a phone call a couple of weeks. Hey, did you, did you figure out anything on the drone? No, no, I didn't. Well, I put it on the tradio just in case someone finds it. <laughs> so what, what did you put on the tradio? Hey, there's a missing white drone that flew off in this direction. And it's in no man's land, mind you. Uh, where it flew off to is literally uh, forest. 
there's it's not a suburban area it's not populated by any any real people and uh you got like 80 acres of nothing but trees and hills and and he says that and and from weeks on end he was asking me about but it was funny to me because he put it on the tree so he literally called it into the the tradeo to tell people hey if you guys see a, a white drone between these coordinates in, in the, or these two areas. I, I, I don't know. I just found that to be very funny. I still do now. It sucked losing it. I did not recover it. Um, in fact, I got in this huge argument with DGI. Uh, so if you do have a drone, be careful because in the event that that happens to you, you're pretty much SOL, even with sending flight plans and this and that and all this crap to DGI. They're, DGI is a company. I have several DGI products. They don't really give a shit. Moving on. So anyways, he put it on the Tradio and I thought that was really funny because I'd been down there several times with the Tradio blaring in the garage. And every time I'm down there and I hear that, I rem- uh, it reminds me of being a kid listening to the Tradio on the local news. It's probably the same guy that uh, broadcast. I'm, I'm probably wrong, but I think it would be funny if it was the same guy that had been doing the broadcasting of the Tradio for like 30 or 40 years. Um, but that's still alive. That's still doing, I don't know how well it's doing because I'm, I know that people in the area use Facebook and Craigslist, but in that instance, I thought it was quite humorous. Um, so back on topic, uh, the, the reason I wanted to bring all of this up though, is it's such a crazy thing on how this has changed and how this impacts or can impact what you want to do and how you do certain things, especially in the world of collectibles or video games or video game consoles. And I want, I want to tie that together because, you know, as a kid, you know, you wanted something, right? So like, I want this thing and I want to trade you these things for that. Um, and as an adult, you want to get stuff for the cheapest freaking price you can get it for, or, if you're, if you're into bartering, then obviously you want to barter and get some kind of deal on whatever it is you're doing or trade up or wh- whatever, whatever it may be. And it was, it was interesting because as I remembered as a kid and I remember that story, I also remember my own kids, right? So as an adult, if you have kids, you probably have been faced with this if they're older. Um, the whole trading thing now as a parent you know, my kid wants to trade this kid, this stuff. And you know, when shit's not going right, let me just be clear on that. Because if your kid comes home and says, dad, I got a killer deal. I traded Joe, you know, five marbles and got an Xbox controller. You're like, Whoa, I'm going to get a call from the parents on this shit, five marbles. And they give you a $60 controller or $70 controller. I don't think so. Did you get a call? We got to call these people. I don't want them showing up at my house. Um, but it goes the other way too. And I remember, uh, my son, this happened to him several times to where he was the recipient of getting ripped off. I got, I got five common good, uh, Digimon or Pokemon cards and I traded him my my thing. And I was like, dude, did you get ripped off? Well, I don't know. And then as he got older, I think I'm pretty sure he was ripping people off with the trade, the trade deal, right? Um, and it's just so funny because that system <laughs> that that physical system as kids like doesn't change. Like that shit goes all the way through. And as an adult, it, it just still it, it interests me so much. Now, because, well, A, because I, I 
barter and, and do deals for a living. But the other part is um, the ability to do all these things. And so let me jump back into the eBay part of this, right? So eBay, more than likely you've bought something from eBay, whether it was something simple, like a sticker for your, your coffee mug or a cord for an old camera or wh- whatever it may be. Um, and like I said, I used eBay quite a bit in the turn of the two thousands. Um, and then I stopped and I used them a little bit again, and then I stopped. And then this year I started using them quite a, quite a bit. Um, and the, the reason was I needed to get parts for a couple of cars. I was, I was, uh, I have that I couldn't find, I couldn't source them locally. And so I had to go to alternative routes, which led me to eBay. And now on eBay, what I find to be super cool is like, you can, you can actually finally like bid and put offers on things as opposed to like a lot of the times back in the day where if they had a minimum, you weren't, you weren't able to really do anything other than start at the minimum and then go up from there. Now you can do that. And the sellers will do it to you, which I thought was really cool. Cause there were several things I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then they cut the price down 30% and say, Hey, do you want this thing? 40%. Do you want this thing? And, and whatever. And it allows you um, to adversely look at several things without making decisions. Cause it's not in most of those kids, like you don't have to take the deal. They don't have to take your deal. And I, I just thought that was really cool that they have adapted to this new system with eBay. Now changing, changing over, as I mentioned earlier, Facebook marketplace. I love Facebook marketplace. I've sold quite a few things there and on Craigslist through the years, Craigslist is still probably number one. I don't use them very much anymore, but I've sold a lot of things on Craigslist, especially in the early days because they were they were the big guys, right? So you just post your stuff and and you sell it. And then obviously, if you want something, you contact them. Now, with that being said, the, the evolutions have changed um, because of technology, right? especially now with COVID I've actually sold quite a few things since COVID and it says like this awkward exchange and whatnot. Um, but it's still completely doable. The funny part to me at this, at this very time is there's a couple of things to take into consideration for you as a seller or buyer and those that are selling and buying. And it's pretty straightforward, right? You, what I would recommend is assess your goods appropriately and then come up with a number, sell at the number that you wish you could get within reality, and then have the backup plan of what you can get, right? So if I'm going to sell this uh, Rockstar Energy drink, we know it retails for whatever, $2.50 a can. Um, because I'm selling it, I'm going to say two bucks a can, but I'll take a buck 50, something like that. Right. But it goes the same way when you're buying stuff. Now keep that in mind, right? If you're buying stuff, whether it's an auction or in person, don't get crazy with it unless it's one of those things that you absolutely have to have. Now to tie this all together with kind of the culture jacked, uh, mantra or, or not really mantra, the, the culture jacked story or dialogue is I've used a lot of these systems to purchase 
things such as baseball cards or comic books or a variety of other things through time. And when you do auctions, I'll tell you flat out, I've done several estate auctions and I've lost my ass to where you're, you get to look at a box, especially now 2020 COVID, you're not really going and seeing anything. Um, so you're, you're ultimately just going off of pictures and it's a gamble, man. I mean, like I've gambled several times, I've lost several times and I've also won. So essentially it works just like any other auction. You put a bid in, somebody can bid against you. You go as high as the sky. And I've seen products where you're like, I could go buy that out. I could go buy that from the store right now for less money than what they just purchased it for. But that's the appeal of the auction. With that being said, though, I mean, you can get lucky. And I'm going to tell you a story here in a moment um, that just happened and that prompted me to want to talk about this um, in regards to comic books. Now, I've bought a lot of other things other than comic books, baseball cards and whatnot. But you do have the opportunity to possibly get a prize pretty much. Right. So it's that it's like a, a, a thing as a child. Right. You get the box. Is the prize in it or not? It's the same thing with the auction, depending on what you're buying. Now, there, there are certain things, like I said, I was buying auto parts on eBay. It is not that way. It is. I need this specific part. Let me just buy it at the cheapest price I can buy it for in the best condition I can. Flat. Most of the time, that's what you're gonna going to encounter if you're buying something. If you're selling something, you just want to sell it for the most money that you can possibly get. But in regards to an auction, the way that I approach it, it's um, for the most part, it's fun um, I've bought a lot of currency. I buy, I, I try to buy things that hold value as opposed to just have things. I, I really don't actually do that very often, but again, I gamble just like everybody else when it comes to, I, I personally predominantly gamble for cards and for comic books. And I've, I've been doing this for a few years now. And just a couple of days ago, I won an auction. I got a box a little bit bigger than a shoe box full of comic books. Now, the photos did show, it did reveal that there was a couple of issues of uh, like uh, the pit number one. Uh, Let's see, it had a spawn number one in it, but then the rest of it you did not know. And I still don't know the full value of this. I purchased this box again, maybe one and a half times the size of a uh, shoe box. I purchased it, I think I paid 80 bucks plus fees, which... If you're doing auctions at all anywhere, there's a few a few tips for you. Check what the fees are before you bid. Almost all auction houses have fees, and those can range anywhere from 5% to 20%. Because of COVID, you better figure out the pickup times and shipping, because I've been burnt on, on, on all of this stuff. That's the reason I'm bringing it up. Um, I had a baseball card shipped to me. And they charge me 40 bucks. So do your homework before you do any of this stuff or you're going to lose your ass. Most of the time, the hosting website or host will explain or have a disclaimer talking about these things. So keep that in mind. Now, moving kind of kind of evolving this conversation here, the box that I got I got it again for probably, I think it was like 85 bucks or 87 bucks with the fees and everything. And then I did get, I got a couple of other things, but um, 
with this, I knew I was getting a couple of number ones and I knew base value on it, but I have no clue what's in it. In fact, you can't go and look. You're just going off of some shitty pictures. Get it home. And I start opening this thing. I'm like, please let there be something good in here. To make a long story short, I I ended up with, I think it's like 15 different number one comics. Ironically, half of those are number ones from Image Comics, which again is number one Spawn, number one uh, The Pit, number one, uh, I think it's Wildcats, number and the list goes on and on. I'm like, holy shit, there's, that's way, way over 80 bucks, right? Um, there, there's a bunch of really old comics in there in which I have to assess the value. There's a mediocre condition of the flash 200 of the flash 300 and a lot of others. I'll, I'll, uh, maybe I'll catalog the box and we'll talk about it in another episode. Um, but there's also a lot of the golden era comic books, which those are like such hit and miss and it sucks. And I also got a bunch of, uh, actually there's more than 15 number ones. I think there's like 20 number ones in there. There's also a bunch of crazy like DC spinoff comics, um, that no one's ever heard of that are number one editions as well from the eighties, which those comics do not buy comics. Just a, a quick thing. Do not overpay for spinoff comics from the eighties and nineties. Don't do it. It can be appealing because they're number ones or what have you, but they're not worth shit. Um, so I'm going through the box. Like I just described all of those things. My mind's blown. I uh, go through them. I, I do some quick internet searches, seeing some, seeing some that I don't see. I do have to, I have to order some uh, sleeves and some backers for them. A couple more boxes to build up my comic collection. So, as I, as I'm going through this, though, there's Superman comics too. And like I said, the flash comics and a bunch of image comics and a bunch of the image off brand comics. And I'm going through and I went through the box once. And then later that evening, I was like, man, I really should look at this a little further. Cause I was actually really busy and I was, I was, I was excited, but I didn't have a lot of time to dive through it. In fact, I still haven't really air quote dive through this box that I purchased that I was so excited for after I discovered all these number one comics um, and they're all in pretty good condition too. Some are in near mint condition, but I go back through this thing and I noticed some receipts that this person left in there from QVC. So he's a QVC shopper, left the, left the notes in there. And I'm looking at this Superman comic and I'm like, why is this Superman comic? And this is like hard plastic cover. And, you know, I was shuffling, I was very gently shuffling through these earlier and I'm looking at the Superman comic and I flip it over and there's two comics in this one. It's not hard, hard plastic. It's like a sleeve, a hard sleeve would be a best describer for it. I'm looking at both sides and I'm like, what, what is the deal with this thing? And then I see a piece of paper in the, in between them. And I pull the piece of paper. I'm like, wait a second, this is a certificate of authenticity. And then I look back on the cover cause there was uh the, the, sleeve wasn't in the cleanest of shape, but the comics are in mint condition. Lo and behold, it was a double purchase of Superman 505, or it might be the adventures of Superman. I'd have to relook. Uh, anyways, it's the 505 edition, which is autographed and numbered by two of the artists on a limited edition 5,000 run. So that in itself 
it, the value of that in itself. And then I've got a comic, the original comic. So there's two versions of it. The one they signed is a, uh, a uh, reflector or refractor refractor refractor. It's a shiny ass cover. The one that they didn't sign was the store stand cover, which was just your standard comic. So that the value in that in itself just ultimately made it worth the 87 bucks or whatever it is. I would, I paid for it not to include all those other comics I bought, which most of those number ones, the bigger name ones range between about 25 and about 45 bucks. And then a bunch of the other ones aren't worth shit, like two bucks, four bucks. Um, I, again, I need to go back through it cause there's some, there's some brands and some comics in there. I'm like, what in the hell is this that are just way off beat? Um, anyways, I wanted to share this, this thought, I guess, with you guys, the listeners, because I find it to be extremely huge. Part of it's funny and part of it's like crazy to think that all of this has evolved for most of us to some degree, whether you're going to a store, maybe you don't indulge in auctions or whatever, or maybe you're not looking for that, that great deal. Um, but for me, especially when it comes to, you know, certain comics I want or certain, uh, uh, baseball cards or what have you at times I'm willing to gamble, but it, again, I'm a, I'm more of a collector in that sense because I want to build up my collection. I want to, I, I am trying to accomplish something with it and it's a really fun avenue to go down if, if you're venturing. And again, it's not limited to comics and, and baseball cards. It's pretty much unlimited, especially if you want shit off eBay, do your due diligence before, you know, make sure that you, you, if you're buying autographed anything, make sure there's a certificate of authenticity from a um, valued company and make sure you're buying from reputable sellers, whether it's local, um, you don't have some like Grim Reaper faced uh, <laughs> Facebook marketplace guy. Don't get ripped off. Try to do transactions in public. Don't carry cash. But it is a, a really an unspoken system that has gone on. I mean, the, the barter system has gone on longer than currency and this is what it's evolved to. And I just find that to be super interesting with today's times because not often in even myself and I do this, I do this pretty often. I don't really talk to people about it and I can guarantee, you know, people that do this as well, whether it's buying auction stuff, selling auction stuff and whatnot. And I just found it to be a very interesting topic that I wanted to share with you guys, um, I know I could have went in any, any which direction, but I did want to try to tie it quasi back to the collectibles part, because again, I've, I've been able to enhance my collection for both cards. Uh, I've bought in certain currency over the years that were in auctions, which are like, you know, just old money really is what that is. That's valued at, at higher than one it books for and, uh, much more enough blabbing about the auctions. And the bartering, I did want to end this, uh, end this podcast with a, uh, thought on, and I'm not going to spoil the movie because I know a lot of people haven't seen this for some reason. It was a lot of talking. I had to get a drink there. Um, I, I wanted to end this podcast, uh, on just, uh, maybe sharing a movie title and you can watch it if you want or not. 
Um, this was a crazy ass, great movie that not a lot of people watch for whatever reason. It debuted in 2006 and was directed by Richard Linklater. And it, this movie is based on a 1977 novel by Philip Dick. And it is a scanner darkly. If you guys haven't seen this, this is an incredible movie. It's done. It's an animated movie that is like uh, photorealistic life animation. It's, it's really an interesting, an interesting uh, animation style. But the movie's freaking great. Um, not really appropriate for kids, but check it out. A scanner darkly. It also has Keanu Reeves, Robert Downey Jr., Woody Harrelson, Winona Ryder, and Rory Cochran. Great movie. I wanted to share that with you. So watch the movie, or at least watch the trailer. Just watch the trailer. That's all I got for the episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed me blabbering on about auctions and bartering and all of that. I, I do want to continue some of the conversations because I find it to be extremely interesting um, and kind of fun to talk about. With that, this is Monday Madness. I hope you guys have an incredible Thanksgiving. Oh, and I almost forgot one last thing. Have an incredible Thanksgiving. I didn't forget that. Black Friday, there is still heavy rumors circulating that if you are interested in getting a Xbox X, X or S or PlayStation 5, there is supposedly going to be restocks. That rumor continues on to today and is is building some momentum so again if you're interested i also saw a couple of photos of playstation 5s on shelves at gamestop so if you're looking there may be a limited chance on getting a console if you didn't get one already with that folks thank you guys for listening to the monday madness episode again have an incredible thanksgiving have a great week and don't forget the Friday show will be out by your host, Dustin. Have a great week, guys. I will catch up with you later.